Hello and welcome once again to the Snooty Usher podcast. This is Dave and with me as always is James. How are you doing, James? I'm, I'm doing well, Dave. How are you doing? I'm very well. It's very nice to speak to you again. Oh, yeah. yeah, always is. Good, good. Uh, so we are back with the Snooty Usher podcast. Unfortunately, uh, Rich is not with us this week due to work commitments and uh, Dan is also not with us again like last week because he never looks at his phone so uh, you're stuck with just James and I but I have to be honest I think we are the best ones James we are, we are the best we're everyone's favourite favourite too aren't we I think so. I think so Uh, we are going to be talking this week about, um, it's always about, it's, we're going to go for more of a TV discussion this week, James. I think uh, it's all very well when people say, oh, this series was so good and it got cancelled after its first season, I think mainly of Firefly. Uh, and this. Um, but what you don't tend to hear is shows that ran for five and six seasons, which really shouldn't have gone past the first, whether that be for quality reasons or the fact that the story was pretty much finished after season one. Um, so that's going to be what we're going to be talking about later on. Uh, we'll have another Usher versus Usher challenge um, <laughs> after the, uh, the the disaster that was Hugh Grant, where we forgot love, actually. Um <laughs> So hopefully we'll redeem ourselves uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll start, as we always do, um, with what have you watched this week? Um, so James, what have you watched this week? So there's, there's kind of like, there's two films that I've watched in the last week that I, I kind of want to group together because they're both, to be honest, they're both pretty weird films that, that kind of like, that I, I really love, but a lot of people will just not be able to stomach at all. Um, one of them is a film that you, you might have heard of, or you might have sort of seen the name, it's a, uh, Synecdoche, New York. Oh, yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's directed by uh, Charlie Kaufman, uh, who did uh, Adaptation and uh, who wrote... Uh, would that be Adaptation with the Oscar-nominated performance by Nicolas Cage? It would be, yes. It would be, yes. The Nicolas Cage masterpiece. And then he, he, also, he also did um, Being John Malkovich. He kind of wrote that before. Yeah. He kind of moved to direct himself. Um, and it, it kind of stars um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman in one of his most sort of uh, expressive kind of acting roles. And it is... It's a very, very difficult sort of uh, sort of film to explain, but basically, he he's an artist who gets who gets given a grant to sort of do a to to sort of support him while he doesn't uh, while he does a, a project, and he turns he decides to do a, a sort of huge scale in installation where he basically turns a warehouse into like a, a city apartment block. All right, and then uh, and then he sort of like starts putting people into the apartment, but then he starts putting sort of real people, real characters into there, and then there's kind of a crossover between the real people and the actual actors who are playing them and the characters start mimicking real life and then he puts himself his like his character as creator into the the apartment block and so it, it gets very very complicated but basically it was just a very very enjoyable kind of film that well for me anyway i find it really really enjoyable it was very it's very very strange but i think if you try not to if you try to let it just all happen and just kind of like get the overall feeling rather than trying to follow every kind of single thread that's kind of introduced yeah um, I think once you get the kind of overall kind of feeling of the film, it it makes sense. You kind of understand everything that's happened, even if you didn't understand it, it was happening. You kind of think, oh right, that's what they were building towards, and that's what they were kind of. Doing. I think that's the same way with all. I mean, I, I haven't seen it, um, but obviously I've seen adaptation. I've seen being John Malkovich, and um, I think his films in general are kind of like you. As long as you just sit and let them happen, you get more out of them. And if you try and figure out what the hell's going on in his head, because you'll never do that, <laughs> you know, and. Um, yeah, I, I think he always kind of. I, I like Philip Seymour. I liked, unfortunately, Philip Seymour Hoffman as an actor. So, like, obviously, the Nicholas Cage kind of played Charlie Kaufman and and well, literally played Charlie Kaufman in adaptation, and kind of John Malkovich was his kind of surrogate and uh, and. Yeah, not John Malkovich. Yeah, John Cusack was kind of his, sub- his surrogate and being John Malkovich. So, do you think it's Hoffman playing essentially playing a version of Kaufman? Do you think, or not solely? There is definitely part of part of it is sort of um, artist as sort of subject of the of the film. It is there is certainly part of it is so so, so at the beginning he, he sort of directing a play. Another thing like the people in the play then are part of this kind of thing as well. And then in in his installation there's someone directing a play as well and and so it is like very 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 meta um reminds me of the uh in community where they're talking about oh, yes like, some some of us just want to go and stop making films about films some of us got to get up in the morning um that, that it kind of reminds me of that but it but but if, if you watch it for the it, it's two hours long if sometimes it just feels a bit long but two hours and it it makes sense at the end kind of what's what's going to happen so um, and if I, if I just tie it to another film as well uh because it has a sort of similar well, sort of some similar films but it's it's um the film 
at High Rise. Um, All right, and, yeah. And, which is um, which has got Tom uh, uh, Tom Hiddleston in the uh, and let's say Tom Hiddleston the uh, <laughs> yeah the, the whole set of Matthew Um He he's basically he plays like uh, a doctor who moves into a, an apartment. It's kind of set in the seventies. Um, it moves into his apartment block, and basically everything that you need is is in his apartment block. So there's a there's a swimming pool, there's a there's a, a supermarket, and basically he never he he basically ends up getting sort of consumed by this the society that's kind of been built in this in this high rise building. Um, Jeremy Irons plays like the architect who lives on like the the sort of very top floor, and it's basically just got it's just got a whole different sort of set of people who who kind of like interact and as, as the kind of like the society kind of like starts to starts to be strained and starts to crumble so you so you've got and you've got a whole bunch of people you've got uh, james purefoy's in it um uh luke evans sienna miller is it's really she's really good in it um elizabeth moss is in it sort of a, oh excellent yeah, um but yeah it, it, so it's really littered with sort of like really good kind of actors a lot of people who then turned up in um in a free fire the film that he made uh, sort of oh yes the kind of yeah sort of even later than that um Yes, yeah, so that's, that's Ben Ben Wheatley's uh, High Rise, and and that's on um that that was on we I saw that on on all four. It's, it's it was shown off film four, and it's still on still on all four at the minute. I think, and that's one that I okay. really really. Enjoy. I also think it's on Amazon Prime. I, th- I should sure have seen High Rise on Amazon Prime as well. Yeah, where I saw uh, Synecdoche, uh, New York as always was on Amazon Prime. Okay. So yeah, so they're, they're two films that are, are, are both quite confusing at times, but overall enjoyable. They're kind of connected by sort of the kind of setting, the fact they're a bit weird and the fact they've both got brilliant sort of central performances that, that almost make it worth watching just for, for them. Okay. Um, I, for, I think for me, I haven't seen much this week, uh, but one thing I want to talk about that I meant to mention last week actually um, is Jack Whitehall's Sporting Nation. Oh, yeah. Um, which is on uh, BBC One. Um, it kind of, I think you you pointed this out, and ever since you did, I've not been able to get it out of my head. It feels like something that should have been a sort of comedy take on the Olympics or yeah. Euro, you know, and like, oh, we hired Jack Whitehall to do this. We better find something else for him to do, you know. And um, what what he kind of does is it's Jack Whitehall, who I'm a fan of. I, I loved him when he was on uh, League of Their Own. I quite, quite like that kind of privileged posh boy comedy that he does um, and uh, so basically essentially what he does is every week it takes a different aspect of the Brit- of British sporting culture and kind of um, like investigates it with a sort of so I say a sideways look as they would say <laughs> so a sideways look so the first week was uh Britain as like hosting and creating sporting events so like we invented football the entire world went and got better at it than we did mm-hmm. and you know and, and it kind of looked at obviously England I don't know if you know this James but um, in 1966 England won the World Cup um, oh, right. Yeah, so the I'm, very first. You can keep reminding me, Dave. If uh, I'm not going to complain. So um, the so the kind of go into like the the World Cup in England, and then they segue to Euro '96, which I don't know if you remember, but England went out to the worst German team in living memory, and yeah. I'm penalty shout. I don't know if you remember. Um, yeah. But uh, so they, they go into that, and they talk about London 2012, uh, then the Cricket World Cup that England won last year and stuff, and it, it's it's quite nice. And Jack Whitehall's quite funny, uh, and, and then the second week. Um, was about uh, comebacks, like so David Beckham and how like like British mm-hmm. love a sporting hero, but they don't just love a sporting hero; they love someone who was a hero, then wasn't, then was again. So they went through. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Beckham mentioned Ben Stokes. Um, Zola Bud got a mention as well, given like the controversy with her and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. If, it's only half an hour long, so the only criticism I would have, it feels a bit rushed. Um, it feels if you're going to investigate the um, the 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 idea of Britain as a sporting nation, each topic yeah. needs a bit longer to be fleshed out. It just feels a wee bit, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's just enjoyable nonetheless. Um, yeah. Like and uh, as it all rises, so he sits behind a desk and sort of monologues, um, and it, it, it's quite enjoyable. I mean, as I say, it's only half an hour long. It feels like it could be longer, in my opinion, um, but definitely, definitely worth a definitely worth a look. So Jack Whitehall's Sporting Nations, say the first. Uh, three episodes are on uh, iPlayer, and it airs on a Friday night, I believe. So definitely worth definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that a watch. Um, I'll, I'll, it kind of makes you think of like almost feels like a companion piece is that um that Peter Crouch Save Our Summer. Oh yeah, which almost certainly was meant to be a sort of almost like following the foot when the football's finished tonight. Then we've got Peter Crouch coming up. Yeah. Um, 
obviously that didn't happen and it it was a very strange show but alex horn is something that i would someone i find it absolutely hilarious so I, I kind of watched it for that but it, it was a very very strange show to watch um so just uh, so the last time you were down you were down here james was uh was last summer i think it was when we went to see durham um yes. The, we watched the first few episodes of that football show on Amazon Prime that had yes. um, Peter Crouch on it. Now, Peter Crouch, it was Peter Crouch, Gabby, Yor- uh, sorry, Gabby Logan and uh, John, John Bishop. Yeah. Peter Crouch was not the strongest thing on that show. How yeah. has he progressed as a presenter or does oh, he I'm let saying, Horn do yeah. most of the work or what kind of happens there? Yeah, he, he's pretty much, pretty much the same. Um, he, he's pretty much exactly the same as he was. He, he's like awkward and then he'll come up with a funny line but he's kind of like when it pans to him he he kind of like a second of like he he looks like a footballer trying to present a tv show to be honest exactly what you think that sounds like he's he's a bit more sort of smooth in his delivery but it's still like when it cuts to him it's kind of like a little space before he sort of starts talking and that kind of thing right okay um it's uh uh, his kind of co-host uh maya jama um (laughs) who you may have seen on sort of tabloids for some of the uh from some of the dresses she wore um slightly low-cut dresses that she wore on the uh I'm sure not there's anything wrong with that. You know, it's it's up to of her. Of course not. She, yes. As long as she's making choices how she wants to dress, she can dress how she likes. Um, but she she kind of did she did the bulk of the the kind of uh, presenting, to be honest, and kind of threw it occasionally to Peter Crouch to do a few links. There's some interesting thing like he did like an extreme retirement sort of thing um, where he kind of like what he went sort of jet skiing with with uh, Joe Cole and he went uh, was it Sean Phillips? He went um, uh, skiing with like downhill skiing with, and it was it was all kind of quite quite fun. Um, but it's it's just it's it's it was all right. It it, it missed. It, it I don't know if you ever saw the the melon melon Sue show sort of late lunch or light lunch. Yeah, yeah. Have that yeah. kind of feel of like you needed to have a crowd there to like laugh at these like deliberately rubbish jokes. And like Alex Horn has got like that a naturally kind of rubbish joke kind of delivery that he has, like dad jokes. Yeah. Like, like every every time he sort of like introduced the band, he would do a um he like he the the sing a song. That would have the, a word that sounded like hello in, and they just stop song and say hello at the end. So like, so they did like Coldplay's yellow, and they sang it all the way up through, all the way through, and it was, and it was all yellow, and they sort of all wave, and that's like the, the kind of really yeah, awkward. Kind it's of almost joke. like the Muppets type. Yeah, like, yeah. It's that kind of like awkward jokes, but he didn't. But it, yeah, it was so that's the Peter Crouch save us on a the the sort of fun fun, but they're not quite as fun as the. Kind of should have been. Uh, maybe they should have been. Yeah, I get that. So, so talking about Alex, yeah, okay. Horn, the thing that I've been watching is basically every night I've been kind of watching the Taskmaster. It's kind of is on uh, Dave or Dave Dave Jaffe. I've been catching most of them a bit late at night. Um, and yeah, all the ta- basically the start of Taskmaster from the first series, and I managed to I've managed to catch the first one. I've been was sort of, uh, oh Josh when it comes on. Yes, Josh Whittacombe in the first series with Excellent. Frank Frank uh, Skinner as well. Second series is Catherine Ryan and Richard Osmond. Yes, that's Joe, a good one as well. Yeah, and Joe Wilkinson, <laughs> and this, this oh, series goodness, yeah. has got um, has got Paul Chowdhury on it. And yes, that's right. Yeah, I've seen that one as well. Worst kind of person on it, <laughs> and it's brilliant to see how bad he is. Um, <laughs> have you seen the day? Have you seen the series with David Bedils on it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh dear, yeah. he was. I think he's been my favourite contestant yeah. on it so far, just by how rubbish he is. As they were. So well, that that actually brings us on quite nicely. Um, just as a quick aside to what we've watched, and it was announced yesterday the um, lineup for Taskmaster Series Ten, which oh, yeah. uh, is coming on Channel Four. We've made yeah. the jump to Channel Four this autumn. Um, and if I could, uh, if I could read you the list, James, and see if this gets gets your thumbs up. So you've got Daisy May Cooper, mm-hmm. who I believe is from your country. The yeah. BBC Three uh, show. Yeah. She also appears. I don't know if you've seen Avenue Five on Sky One with Hugh Laurie. No, uh, it's Armando Anucci. Yeah, it's worth watching. She's in that as well. Um, uh, Mawan Rizwan, who I, I hold my hands up and I'm I'm not sure. I don't I haven't seen too much about about him. Um, Richard Herring, yeah. uh, admit, yeah. who yeah, I mean I. I used to love it. Him and Stuart Lee used to have a show together. And it, it was just uh, like so. Um, Johnny Vegas. I I'm not yes. the biggest Johnny Vegas fan in the world, um, but the, the 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 highlight for me is uh, Catherine Parkinson. Mm. Uh, like the the brilliant Jen from the IT crowd. Um, yeah. So that's a decent lineup, isn't it? I oh, like, yeah. yeah. I we, think we you're, were, you're looking at um, Johnny Vegas being crap at everything. So, um, 
I think Richard Herring could be one of them people who you think is quite intelligent, but could mm-hmm. make some really like a, a little Just bit like Richard Orton was when he was on like <laughs> making a, a bit of a fool of himself. Um, the when it moved to Channel Four, I was a bit worried that the, you know you might end up with someone from Big Brother on it or something. I mean, not the Big Brother's a thing anymore, but I was sure. kind of worried you might, you might get sort of presenters or TV or news presenters or something on it, but they've, they've stick with comedians or comedy actors at least. Yeah. That is a good well, the, thing I loved, the thing I loved about uh, about the, the second series, uh, it was like <laughs> Davies always used to say, and welcome to Taskmaster. This is where four comedians yeah. and TV personality Richard Osmond <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> obviously that was that was pretty funny, um, mm-hmm. but it's quite a you know it's quite a like decent mix of sort of youth and age and gender yeah. and yeah. you know uh, different. I think um, as I say, I was I was like you, I was quite sceptical that you'd get the kid from this is only way as Essex or there'd be somebody really big on it, you know, like that would just end up overshadowing everybody else. But no, I, I reckon that's a pretty pretty. Uh, Pretty strong lineup, and the trailer filled me with hope. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say that the show is like bulletproof, but it is almost the the, the quality of the show is on and how ridiculous the tasks are. And if people take it seriously or or joking around, like what, however, however, you, you are going to get good material. I think the editing team for that for that show is absolutely vital to it. Cause yeah, they absolutely, they pull out some really hilarious stuff from people. Said, who are. You know, it's also made me kind of discover. Like I didn't like one who I've discovered is a comedian called Rose Matafeo. Um, oh, yes. She was I'd never heard of her, and uh, she was on it, and I thought she was absolutely brilliant on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went on. She was she was on House of Games as well with Richard Osman. She was great on that as well. And I kind of follow her on Instagram, and she's 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 a very funny lady. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I have a I have a bit of affection for people from that part of the world after Flight of the Concords, oh, yeah. you know. So I'm always interested in anyone from New Zealand after <laughs> uh, after Flight of the Concords. Um, <laughs> but sorry, that was just getting back. Um, if I could uh, just make so one of the one of the shows that I became quite obsessed with purely due to being in the room when my wife was watching it, and it's something Rich and I have discussed in the past, <laughs> and that is uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, when Kelly was on maternity leave with Leah, um, she watched this, and uh, I kind of was in the room one day, and at first I was like, what the hell is this you're watching? And then after half an hour, I was like completely glued to it, and that was in Series 6, so it's uh, just finished at the beginning of lockdown, Series 12 com- concluded. <laughs> And uh, I have been obsessed with it ever since. So in the last week, Kelly and I binged RuPaul's uh, All Stars 5, uh, which is the fifth series of uh, the All Stars brand, which essentially is previous contestants from the last 12 years. She gets eight of them or 10 of them, I think it is. They come together and they kind of do a different version of the show with the similar themes and stuff. So we kind of binged that, which which was really, really good um last night however so they did one in the uk it began sort of early yes. 2000 and it they had no budget and like the, the, the queens didn't get any prize money or anything um so they on the iplayer they're doing uh it's called canada's drag race yeah. um which rupaul doesn't feature in it as such she kind of like introduces it on video at the start and then it's like a kind of Canadian it's like a one of the previous winners was Canadian so she's kind of fronting it. Um so it's a Canadian sort of collection of drag queens and it's the the fight to become Canada's first drag superstar. Now I imagine you like me look at the Canadian people and think that they are very, very pleasant. They get a, a reputation uh, from the sort of yeah. T V that we've watched of them being very polite and friendly and so when we were watching the the we watched the first two episodes last night um we were expecting you know the judging to be quite oh well you did really well but never mind and stuff my god it is absolutely brutal like they just do not hold back it's just brilliant (laughs) so um my latest uh, obsession for this week is uh canada's drag race which is appearing on uh so the first four episodes are on the iplayer so don't make the mistake that i did because i couldn't find it because when i was searching i searched rupaul's drag race uh obviously because she's not involved to any great extent i mean it's still her brand but uh, so you're looking, go on iPlayer, put in Canada's Drag Race, and thank me later. <laughs> um, so so w- one thing I quickly want to mention was um, uh, uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who did, who did um, Fleabag. Uh, sorry, I think, I think you've, you've made a mistake there. Surely you've got to say The Great. 
Oh yeah, Phoebe yeah. Waller. Sorry, the, the, the revered, yes, uh, quickly yeah. acclaimed, um, or peerless. Yes. Yeah. Um, she, she basically, before she did um, Fleabag, she, there was a, a she had a show on, or she she and she wrote and starred in um, on Channel Four called Crashing, and I've heard right. about it, and I finally watched it. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually it's actually on awful, but it's also on Netflix as well at the minute. So that's, that's why I kind of came, came across it on Netflix, and it's basically it's it's. So I'm going to do this in a minute as well, but this is the easiest way to describe this. Is it's kind of like it's kind of like this life, right? Which, which you remember, um, of course. Do you remember this life? Yeah, it's kind of like that for the like updated a little bit in in the sort of like sort of like like 2010s kind of thing. So she, she basically she she moves into a uh, these people are basically house almost like house sitting uh, a hospital that's kind of abandoned, but but the developers want to keep it, so they've got people living in it, and so she moves into this like house sitting kind of. Uh, situation yeah. uh, and she kind of like just causes havoc when she moves in and she kind of like she's she's got an, a, a lifelong friend is is in a relationship with some with someone else and there's another guy and it's so it's, it's all kind of like it's it's very very sort of like like teen drama but for like 25 year old sort of thing um oh, and cool. it's, it's, quite, it's quite good but it kind of got it got cancelled after six episodes and so it, it doesn't really it doesn't really kind of like develop as it, it kind of would have done, but it's, it is a good six episodes and it's, it's sort of worth watching if you are, if you are a big fan of sort of Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Um, but, but the thing I wanted to mention was um, the third series of Good Girls has just landed on Netflix. Oh, um, right. Okay. And that's, that's the show with, um, I, I, it's just a lazy thing to do. It's, it's basically almost like a female fronted version of Breaking Bad. Um, okay. These three kind of suburban, um, suburban mums, if you might say, um, who basically get involved with a, a money laundering scheme and they get involved with a gang uh, and it, it kind of everything escalates for them and, and they kind of like you kind of see the progression it, it's it's not quite as good as breaking bad but it is it's very very enjoyable it's just got into its third series and uh, there's, there's lots of twists and turns that have happened and um, basically the three main characters are um uh, christina Hendricks, um Excellent. And, and loads of stuff um may whitman who was all right yes I remember she, she was she well i remember as, as Anne in arrested development that's exactly she was in um, the Duff. She, yes, she's been in something very recently as well. Was, but yeah, I think I think Anne from Essay Development should be enough for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> she was in um, she was in the, the Duff, and she was in um, Scott Pilgrim as well. And so, and those two sisters, they, they both got sort of children. Uh, and then um, the third kind of mother is is Retta, who was um, Donna yeah, from uh, Cars and Rec. Cars and Rec, yeah, and she's. And her husband in it as well is absolutely brilliant. But but the reason the reason why I really want to mention it, so the third season's just arrived on Netflix. Oh, and the other thing is Matthew Lillard plays oh, his husband as well. Um, but the reason why I really want to mention it is that basically Matthew Lillard's mother has just turned up and she's played by Jessica Waters. Uh, Jessica Waters, sorry. Fantastic. As in, as in Fantastic. You know, the mother from Arrested Development. Yes. Archer. Yes. Are. So she turns up and she's exactly like, exactly as you can imagine she is, um, just bossy and wants to try and take over the the kind of family and it's just it's just it's just a re really really entertaining show to be able to watch and it's it's got some really frothy moments in it it's got some quite serious moments in it um there's a, a certain lack of jeopardy of, jeopardy of certain points but um but the, the most recent episode that i watched um uh ethan is it ethan supply or Sup oh yes kevin um, smith's world and yes, my name is Errol and stuff yeah he, he sort of turns up as, as a as a criminal and he looks absolutely ripped uh, he's lost all the way. He looks really fantastic in it, so uh, it's almost worth watching just that episode just for him. Um, but I, th oh, I think cool. he's going to be going on. So, uh, so that's it. So, so yeah, cool. good girls on Netflix this season. Yeah, so, so, I want to mention something we've been watching. I mean, it's an older show. It was cancelled way back in two thousand and twelve, um, but it's a show that the first about. It's called Leverage, um, and uh, I've just started rewatching it with Kelly during kind of lockdown. Um, and uh, it's essentially a TV version of Ocean's Eleven, really. It's kind of like, so you've got um, this guy played by Timothy Hutton, who's an ex-insurance uh, agent who really recovers like um, pro uh, property for an insurance company and he's like a real kind of mastermind type thing. Um, and the insurance company, basically, he lost his son to cancer only because the insurance company he worked for wouldn't pay for the medicine that would have saved his life. So he's very bitter. So what he does is he puts together a team of criminals uh, to get back at the insurance company. And then once he's done that, these basically they become these like white knights so like like 
bad guys make the best good guys type thing, you know. And so the team is you've got a a grifter, a hacker, a thief, and what's called a hitter, which is basically a guy who just beats people up for you all the time. Um, so he's got this team of sort of criminals, and they perform like these cons throughout the five seasons of the show that, that aired. And um, it's just one of those shows that. Like, it's just really easy to watch. The characters are really easy to like. And um, you know nothing bad's going to happen to any of them. You know they always normally win in the end. Um, the uh, the lead is Timothy Hutton, um, who was... He's been in many films down the years, uh, including a brilliant film that I think everyone should watch called Beautiful Girls. Um, he's been in, he won an Oscar for Ordinary People when he was a teenager and stuff. So he's kind of like the mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, and the grifter is played by Gina Bellows. Um, so I don't know if you remember a show called Coupling um, yeah. Yeah. from uh, sort of a British version of Friends <laughs> that they tried to do with Jack Davenport. Um, and Gina Bellows was in that. And um, the, the sort of ex-marine guy is it's a guy called Christian Kane so I don't know if you remember Angel um, back there but he was an angel for a while and the hacker is played by Aldous Hodge who's gone on to do a couple of films he was in um, Straight Outta Compton he played MC Ren um, so like, as I say it's quite a, it's quite an enjoyable kind of <laughs> hour long so like, they perform these kind of like cons and stuff and it, it, it's definitely worth a watch so I wanted to give that a mention that's that's on Amazon Prime I say there's five seasons of it I think we're halfway through season four but I'm really enjoying is, it so definitely is, is that in the same sort of vein as um, like uh, Burn Notice or White Collar yes same sort of like 100% yeah yeah, so, no, yeah like a 12 episode season um, like it's although not like Burn Notice White Collar psych yeah. but that type yeah. of vein, you know, they're, they're quite easy to watch. It's probably closest to Burn Notice. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah, 100% it's in, it's in that vein. Um, Royal Pains is another one that's kind of in that sort of... Um, but yeah, so the seasons are only 12, 12 hours or sort of 12 episodes. And uh, yeah, so definitely, definitely worth a watch. Um, yeah, so that that is my... Uh, that is my. Oh, i tell you what, actually, one more thing. Um, we watched uh, Hairspray the movie musical uh with cat with cara which is like um we and it like i'd never seen it um and thoroughly enjoyed it it was a lot deeper than i thought i mean i didn't really know much about it other than it was about a little sort of plump girl who tries to become a dancer but it's all about kind of racial segregation and and stuff and it tells a really serious story with its tongue firmly in its cheek in a way that only john walters can you know and um some of the songs are brilliant like just the 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 end sort of medley is a song called uh, can't stop the beat and it's just my goodness it's but yeah so i mean cara absolutely she's been wittering on about it all day um (laughs) so yeah so we saw that that's on um amazon prime so that was definitely uh definitely worth a look cool anything else from you no that's that's it from me that's it okay excellent okay so that leads us quite nicely into uh, usher versus usher challenge this week um james and i both struggled with uh hugh grant um last week some of us struggled slightly less than others dave Yes, that is true. So I managed to pick out Morris, which was one of the <laughs> films that Hugh Grant did, but mm-hmm. managed to forget about Love Actually and Bridget Jones's Diary. So let's hope we do a little bit better this week. So it was in the news uh, this week that Alan Menken, the com- film composer and writer, uh, won a daytime Emmy for the music for the Rapunzel kind of tangled TV series that's been on Disney Channel. Um, which sends them into a very exclusive group, um, which I believe are called the EGOTs. Um, mm-hmm. So he's one of 16 people now who have won an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar and a Tony. Um, I had a look down that list um, and the highest profile actor on there is Whoopi Goldberg. Mm-hmm. So I figure we shall take Whoopi Goldberg as our Usher versus oh, yeah. Usher challenge. Um so I, I'm trusting James to believe that I didn't Google uh, Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. um, and uh, well, I guess we'll find out uh, as the as the time goes. So James, as you won last week, you get to pick first. So okay. Whoopi Goldberg films. Okay, if if you pull out the Whoopi Goldberg equivalent of Morris, then I, w- I will be slightly suspicious. <laughs> I won't believe your story of of our price again.
Um, so, yeah, I'll, so going first, I'll go for, um, well, l- l- let's go for the very top, um, Sister Act. Yes, okay. And the one thing that, that did make me pick this as well is because when I put the telly on last night, Sister Act 2, Back in the okay. Habit, it's on Sky, so yes, I'm going to go yes. with Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. Um, let's go for Ghost. Of course, the film which she won that said Oscar. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go for the film that, that she should have won said Oscar for would be The Colour Purple. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, a, the, a period in the 80s when people were just making comedy films um, and basically just plugging in like a, a way to Trevor Star they could find. I think so, anyway. Um, yep. Jumping Jack Flash. Oh, that was what I was going to say. Where she played a very un, unconvincing hacker. Yes. Or, 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 and then there's a weird bit at the end where she kind of like speaks to him and he kind of types on. Yeah, it was very, very strange. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to go with Star Trek Generations. Was, was she in? Yeah, she was. She played yeah. Guy. She, she's in the Nexus. Mm-hmm. So that's the only one that she appeared in. But yes, she does appear. Um, oh, that was. Oh, I was. I was kind of thinking of that, and I thought, no, she's not in. Um, oh wow, am I gonna? Am I? Am I out already? Wait, has oh, she been in? No, surely is she. Is she in? She must have done some voice acting. Oh, I'm, I'm struggling already. Has she done some voice acting? Surely she has. Um, I'm a quite a high profile one, yes. Okay, since you said high profile, I'm gonna go. We've had one of these where I guessed Toy Story before, and I was wrong. Yes, it was Harrison Ford, wasn't it? And he was in Sea for Life of Pets. Um, yeah. I'll go Toy Story. The one that really expanded it. So three, Toy Story three, where they really expanded the. Toy Story 3. Uh, I believe that is incorrect. Okay. Um, two seconds. I'm just going to check that. Is it Toy Story 2? Oh, I, I, um, just see what that is. Um, I tell a lie. You are correct. She does do the voice of the purple-armed uh, thing um, in Toy Story 3. A very small voice role, but a voice role nonetheless. That is an absolute stormer, James um, the, the high profile one I was thinking of was the voice of the hyena in The Lion King. Oh, jeez, yeah. So, so that, that was, that was I, I don't know if you tell, but but that, that was actually a guess, that, that last one. That was actually a guess. So I'm going to have another guess that she was in. She was in, um, what was, what, oh, what, what would be a film that has, is she in, um, what would be a film that has a lot of people, a lot of cameos in? Do you know what? I'm going to guess the film we mentioned last week, um, the Adam Sandler film, and uh, Sandy Wexler. I'm going to guess she's got a cameo in that, just because there's loads and loads of cameos in it. So okay, my guess, Sandy Wexler. Sandy Wexler. So I, uh, I'm on, Sandy? The, I'm on yeah. Sandy Wexler now. Yeah. So let's have a look. Um, right, Jennifer Hudson, Kevin James, Terry Crews, Rob Schneider, Nick Swanson, Asinio Hall. Cameo roles include right, Clay Aiken, Joe, Darius Rucker, Jason Priestley. I can't see her on this, unfortunately. I'm more than happy to accept that she isn't. I can't see her. So my guess would be, now, the only reason I know anything about this film is because I was listening to a podcast. Uh, okay. It was a while ago now. Mm-hmm. And it was by one of my one of my favourite comic book writers. There's a guy called Jeff Loeb. And uh, Jeff Loeb... Um, that's uh, called Burglar. Okay. Um, and it was made in the 80s and it was uh, a very different... Uh, so it eventually had Whoopi Goldberg in it, mm-hmm. uh, but he wrote it for a man, and I can't remember the name of the actor who it was, but I'm going to guess Burglar would be the, uh, the, the Whoopi Goldberg film. Um, I'm just confirming that. Yes, Whoopi Goldberg was a lead in Burglar. Okay. It was uh, supposed to be with Bruce Willis, yes, and then it got, it got changed so much that, uh, that it was uh, Whoopi Goldberg. So I believe... That's, that's, that's quite, quite, quite interesting because um, Whoopi Goldberg was the original choice of Die Hard and then obviously she fell out and... Yeah, well, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> so let's have a look at uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg's filmography and then so, so, see what we've... Uh, should we just confirm that that is, that is a, that is a well-deserved victory for you? Uh, yes, indeed. Boo Goldberg this week. Congratulations, Dave. So what we have, what we could have had, let's start in the 80s. 
Um, so we've got the colour purple, we had that one. Jumping Jack Flash, Fatal Beauty, um, Clara's Heart, uh, Baghdad Cafe, Soap Dish, uh, Karina Karina, Theodore Rex, The Page Master, Moonlight and Valentino, um, the how Stella got her groove back. Oh, Girl interrupted. Yeah. Uh, rat rape. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be honest, it gets pretty slim after that. Mm. Um, you suppose she went on to The Voice, really, after uh, whatever that was, the kind of TV show that she does on The View. Sorry, The, view, not the Voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that, as I say, that was... Uh, a similar uh, amount of films to the Hugh Grant one, so that is uh, a victory for Dave. Yes, so definitely, yeah. That is one all in terms of, of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one good thing that I did see that uh, she has, uh, when Patrick Stewart the view to talk about Star Trek Picard, mm-hmm. he invited her live on the show. Yes. Uh, and yeah. invite from the makers to re- um, uh, to um, reprise her role as Guinan right, in the right. second series yeah. of Picard, yeah. which is great. She's also going to appear as the old lady, uh, Mother Abigail, in the update of The Stand for CBS, which will be interesting. Oh, as well. wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, cool. So, that is the Usher versus Usher challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're going to move on to our main topic of the week. It was something that you were talking about earlier. Yes. Um, so, I don't know if. Um, if you got this out of the last <laughs> podcast, but James was quite fond of a show called I May Destroy You. Yes. In fact, he was so fond of the show, he's going to change his name <laughs> to I May Destroy You Laycock. Uh, how is that going? Have you managed to get to the, uh, it's a, the pattern up you know, to change your... I've, 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 got to, I've got to arrange an appointment. You've got to make a phone appointment now. You can't just uh, go along anymore. So it's slightly delayed, but um, but yeah, you know, progress has been made towards uh, towards that. Towards changing my name. Okay. Um, and so, and then also, then you you also mentioned Snowpiercer. Uh, and yeah, so Snowpiercer probably more so. I mean, like mm-hmm. I may destroy you. Kind of, I think you you, you can't really talk about the end, and neither yeah. can I on yeah. on Snowpiercer without. Well, I'll, I'll kind of more talk about Snowpiercer because it was a crap ending, right? But so essentially, one of one of I'll say one of two things happened at the end of Snowpiercer, right? So there was all it's all about revolution. And uh, the revolution, obviously, is you know happens at the end of the first series, and it's a perfect um, way to end it. Now, you could have either had a second series where they deal with the revolution, with the rebels in charge of the train, and see how that affects the status quo, mm-hmm. or you could do something really crap, right, and have another train. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you can guess my reaction to how I felt about the end of Snowpiercer. I think you can guess which direction they've yeah. gone in. Um, so, I don't think they need a second series. I think they could have ended it with mm. the revolution ending and anything of a second series will, which will be diluted. Why should... I may destroy you. Now, I, I realise that I could send you off on trying to go around the houses without giving away the ending, but why should I may destroy you um, stop at one season? Is it because the ending was so good that they're never going to be able to top it? Or a- I, 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 so basically, the, the idea of this kind of week, this kind of week's podcast, is that we will we will kind of discuss shows that that should only be one episode, uh, one series long. Um, and I think I May Destroy You as it feels like it's like a perfect it was 12 episodes was the perfect length of time to tell the story and you know other people it could have it could have become like a long running kind of show if you wanted to she could have split it up over three or four sort of multiple years of like I don't know three or four even um, sort of six episode series wouldn't have been too much of a stretch but she told us a 12 episode kind of story that it's ebbs and flows and it was perfectly kind of the perfect length of show for the story that she wanted to tell. Uh, now, the fact that I thought the story was absolutely brilliant uh, is, is kind of something else, but I, it just felt, it just, one of the things that it definitely got right was the show was the perfect length, the perfect amount of time was spent on the characters and it kind of like, nothing was dwelt on too long, but nothing was skipped over. Um, and so so my idea for this kind of podcast was the I, I, just to talk about shows that, that had a great idea that could have lasted for one series, but basically got stretched and and became repetitive. So basically, shows that should have only lasted one series. Okay, so I think you can you can kind of look at um, that with films as well. Films that have got sequels that didn't. Yeah. Do. Um, so like I think we use film as an example. So Independence Day, we just watched Independence yeah. Day as we always do on the Fourth of July every year, right? If ever a film never needed a sequel, was that one, and that was 
borne out by the fact that when we did get a sequel, it was utter garbage. You know, so but um, but I think we're, we're keeping this on TV. So um, I think there's definitely uh, so the first one I'm going to say right is probably a little bit controversial given the love that is out there for this. Now I am not one of those people who think this show is all that. I thought it was good. I thought the first series was good. I checked out quite early into the second series. And that show is Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how you feel about Stranger yeah. Things, but um, I thought it was perfectly good. I thought yeah. it told a really good story. Um, but when it was finished, I didn't... Have you seen Stranger Things? Have yeah, you? Yes, yeah, yeah. You have, okay. So when... Uh, Mike comes back and he's safe and they've defeated the demi-gorgon or whatever the hell the thing was I was quite happy with Mike sitting at the table with Minora Ryder and his big brother fade to black, game yeah. over right? Yeah. but nah, they had to have him go to the mirror and mm-hmm. cough out something black and oh, this is more of this than you know, and then all of a sudden you've got a second series where it, oh, just like nah, you told a great story mm-hmm. just tell a great story and move on um, I, I thought um, the second series was boring. Like they started introducing new characters that I didn't give a shit about. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just had absolutely no interest in investing any time on it. Um, and I have yet to be convinced otherwise. I mean, I think I know Dan uh, agreed with me. I think he wasn't a huge fan of it beyond the first series either. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think I'm, I am a, a big bad stranger <laughs> hater, or do I have a point? I think I think someone who has a love of especially mid eighties nostalgia as you do, Dave. I don't think you could hate. I don't think you could ever be accused of being a, a Stranger Things hater. It's just yes. so built into your DNA for that show to to resonate with you. Um, so so I, I don't think I, I don't think that you're. I I I I will say that I did enjoy. I've enjoyed sort of the latest series, but there is something you can always tell if a show has has sort of surpassed its what its original kind of runtime should have been. It's when they kind of do a reboot and start kind of like covering some of the same ground but but from a different angle maybe sort of start yeah. telling the same story again from a different angle and um basically that's a lot of what stranger things did in the third season was actually kind of simplify things a lot get have the other characters have been introduced but keep them on the inside you know have the go back to the basics of what really made the film ent- uh, made the first series entertaining and that's kind of what they've done in the third series that kind of that kind of tells me that you know if it had been one series season it would have been an iconic kind of series that you could go back and the people will go back and watch time and time again and the yeah. thing is, people would people would then be absolutely clamoring for the next duffer brothers project um and there'd be all of the actors whatever they did next would be absolutely kind of like would be swallowed up by by the public um so i, I think it and it's it so it, it feels like it was it because it was so successful they got recommissioned when it felt like maybe if they'd just been given another commission rather than just being recommissioned then maybe that would have been kind of better for yeah. better for the stranger things kind of universe and and even or even if they'd done a done it uh like american horror story style and sort of have tell a different story that or, or like how we mentioned we mentioned cloverfield sort of last week and i don't yeah. i don't think the sort of cloverfield paradox was good but they could have told different stories like totally different stories that somehow link into the, the upside down um yeah like like they did with sort of the, the ten Cloverfield Lane, which is basically a, a hostage story, which in the very very background, sort of over the hill over there somewhere, has a Cloverfield kind of situation happening in a town that's a city that's miles away. And um, they could have done something different with a, like a second series that was set in a different town that that has totally different characters. Would have would have. I well, something's happening, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it would have suffered from oh, this character isn't as good as Will, or this character isn't as good as you know whoever. We we eleven. Yeah. There was a bit when Eleven goes off to. Oh, I don't know if you you might have kept going this long. But when Eleven goes off to meet some other people who seem to have undergone the same sort of things that she did. In yeah. Second season, and it felt like that was almost planning prepping for a spin-off. It was almost like a backdoor pilot. Yeah. But then that 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 kind of story has been dropped, and it's not really been kind of brought back again. And it was kind of like just focused on her kind of role in the in the in the sort of the group again in the sort of the the third season. So so yeah, I think I, th- I think. Stranger Things could become a perfect example of a show that should only have, that, that should only have, not that it should definitely have only been one season, but if it had been one season, would be regarded as 
Yeah, it would be like E.T. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not necessarily because like, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing, but you look back at a film like that and it's yeah. like part of your childhood and that could have been that to like my 13-year-old niece, yeah. right, who, you know, loves it. But if it had only been one season, she would talk about Stranger Things in the same way I talk about Back to the Future, for yeah. example. Yeah. You know, so. one, of my, one of my old teachers used to say um, that a masterpiece is something where you can't remove one line from it without making it worse and you can't add anything to it to make it better and i think in that and i think maybe in that one series you could have argued that that was an absolute masterpiece yeah and then you know maybe there are certain, certain quibbles about certain things but um definitely in sort of the second series and there are definitely sort of problems with it uh so it's sort of like you could almost argue it's it was a masterpiece and they've kind of couldn't leave it alone and kept sort of fiddling with it to make it um basically a uh, still, still a good show, an entertaining show. I will, I will be back for the fourth season. Yeah, but if it had only be one, and sure, I probably would have complained. Oh, why can't we have more? But if the Duffers had gone on to make something else, and if the, those actors had gone on to do other things, then you know, I, I could still follow the careers. It's not like it's not like they would have totally disappeared. Um, so if if I can move on to another show, sure, um, that I think deserves a kind of similar kind of standing of if it had been one season it would be regarded as an absolute masterpiece. Um, I'm going to say 24, because when that came out, that was absolutely groundbreaking. Yeah. And I, I, it was it had a level of action that I don't think we'd ever seen on, and, and especially not on a TV show that lasts for, for sort of 24 episodes, like mm-hmm. that's like the last for six months. Yeah. Um, it, it was a phenomenal sort of show. And the amount of kind of adrenaline that was kind of pumped through it. And again, it had a brilliant ending. Yeah, it did, yeah. Um, and if it had been left as a 24, as if there was 24, one season, it would have been absolutely perfect. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it, it would be regarded as like a, a landmark of modern TV. Instead, we got six more episodes. Six. There was and, eight seasons altogether. And, and, and a spin-off, yeah. And the spin-off, and then there was like a movie as well, like 24 yes, Redemption, yes. which was like the kind of... Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. Now... I enjoyed watching Twenty Four. Absolutely, like when, yeah. when you get into a t- when you get into a season, you're like, "This yeah. is." But it was just got yeah. sorted. I think, and I, I, I think that's another. I like. I think the biggest issue with with it is that you kept having using Jack Bauer. Yeah, I think you could have told a different story with a different set of actors mm-hmm. using the, that gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know Jack Bauer was a great character and everything, mm-hmm. but by the end of the time, you're just like, yeah. I think he survived what two nuclear explosions and like it's like come on and then like they they tried to keep his daughter in it for like two seasons too long as well and that bit in the second series where she's getting chased by a mountain (laughs) yeah 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 you're you're jumping the shark in the second series you know but you still got it it was it was daft and yeah the other problem was it was like like you, you had jack bauer but then everybody else just kept getting killed and just like you've got you can't invest character here without it and I totally agree I think as much as I enjoyed the later seasons yeah. um, I thought definitely if, if you'd have if you'd have shut it off at one then it, it, you would be revealed as one of the, the TV events of you know yeah. all time mm-hmm. and but they, now you just think of 24 as just being ridiculous by the time it got to the end yeah. um, and it, it, so how many times the, the president got killed like yeah. four times in yeah. the series and you're like there's, there's been one a couple of presidential assassinations in 200 years yeah. and like that, Jack Bauer's been about for seven years and there's been two presidents killed and how many like how, many security, and, how can a security like secret service operation have so many double agents in it yeah how it's just got absolutely people, ridiculous or, isn't it or people who who either are, are already turned or can be turned because they've done something terrible in the past that, yes. that it's going to be yeah it was just uh, it was and it, it all became a almost became a joke sort of towards the end with there were all the jokes about how he's never gonna he never has to charge his phone and he never runs out of petrol and all that kind of stuff yeah but, never goes to the toilet yeah. in 24 hours and yeah yeah I, th- I think it, it was i totally agree with you on that one i think um one that i want to mention next is um true detective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now i think that kind of what you maybe suggested they do with Stranger Things, they did with True Detective and not only did it not work, it spectacularly didn't work. Yeah. Um yeah. I think the, the first series of True Detective is one of the best mm-hmm. kind of yeah, I mean I, I love detective fiction mm-hmm. or cop. You know, I love that genre. And um the 
the fact that you had Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey. It was um, it was just so intense, and it was like a really creepy kind of the bad guy was almost like um, sort of supernatural at one point. You just didn't know what was going on, and um, yeah. I thought that, I think the last episode of True Detective was one of the most tense hours I've ever spent watching television. You know, and yeah. um, you were just clamming for a second series. Yeah. And yeah. then what I just I think I even I even gave up on the second mm-hmm. season. I think I even watched the end of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is utter garbage. Um yeah. and then to be honest, I didn't even really connect with the third series either. And they had um Maharashali, wasn't he? Yeah. I and you're thinking that's a good start. And then even I was like the fractured narrative kind of bothered us, the fact that it kept jumping around times. I was just like, I can't really be bothered sitting here for eight hours and watching this. And mm-hmm. I think the either they brought back True Detective with uh House and McConaughey or they should mm-hmm. just have left it alone. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll call it something different. I'll make it really clear that it is call it something different. Like yeah. we wouldn't have known would and it didn't keep all the same direct it's not like it was exactly the same team working on the just with different yeah, there was there was nothing connecting. It was yeah. like um, it's disappointing. So I think uh, that was one for me that they they did change things, yeah. but it wasn't like they used the same actors like they do with American Horror Story or um, is it Medical Workers? Is the the one with Steve yeah. Buscemi and stuff that mm-hmm. they're doing now? Um, yeah, so I think that big a big disappointment for me is that that show continued or at least didn't continue with the original the original characters. Yeah, and and just just you saying like. You, you couldn't be bothered, like you couldn't be what you weren't sure whether you were going to stay through the the sort of the series. There is no if if there's no way after like oh, about half an hour of True Detective, the, there was no way that you would that I was turning that off. Oh, I know. Yeah. The very end of the credits of the last episode. Um, yeah, it was yeah, it was an absolute, and it was and obviously it had Matthew McConaughey in his full reconnaissance mode, didn't he? He was full. Yeah, on. it really was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, I've just realised I watched him. Um, Oh, my sister was watching Failure to Launch uh, this oh week as well. That. So that literally just popped in my head. The no, well, worse than that, my, my wife was watching 10 Things I Hate About You, which has oh, to be yeah. one of the worst films I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, just it just made me angry all the way through yeah. it. But that's a, that's a, that's, do you know, we should do a McConaughey special uh, one day. So, yeah. um, Cool. So, True Detective. Anything else you've got yeah. on your list? Um, so, uh, so another one was. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't know if you did. If you did see this, but um, there was a film. Uh, there was a uh, a show with Kevin Bacon and James Purefoy um, called The Following. Yes, I, I, I. Do you know? Ironically, I only saw the first series. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, really. Uh, and it had it had. Oh, was it Maggie Grace was in the pilot episode or the very first episode, and she gets killed at the end of the first episode, and from then on, you don't know. You don't know who who is safe. So he basically. Kevin Bacon is like a detective trying to basically find this mass. So trying to find someone who's got basically a following of people who will murder for him. Um, James Purefoy. And he plays like a, a really, he's kind of like. It's a kind of Hannibal Lecter type yeah, without the cannibalism. Yeah, you know, in a kind of like charismatic kind of like way of kind of leading a, leading these people. And you can kind of understand why he's got like a cult kind of following him. Um, but he, um, but basically, yeah. So it, it basically it unfolds and it was, it's really, really tense and, you know, a lot of people who you think assume are going to be safe aren't safe, and a lot of people survive who you might not think would survive. Um, and it basically, but the thing is, it was a one season story. It definitely was, and they kind of the second season is kind of like he, he's kind of escaped. He kind of escapes, and he's kind of like in the second season, he's kind of escaped, and he's they end up kind of having to team up, and then later on they then sort of revert again they kind of reverted back to the idea that he's chasing him again and um it just felt like it was it got sort of 95 percent of way of telling its story and then realized that oh do you know what hey let, let's let we can spin this out a bit longer uh so the following is one that i definitely think should have been a one season kind of show and it would have been it would have again it would have been like a remarkable kind of one season show of a really tense kind of like cat and mouse kind of story. yeah like a sort of the fugitive style with you yeah know. yeah but they just okay. couldn't, they couldn't commit to the ending sort of thing, and 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 what, what, one thing I want to make clear is TV success is so fleeting and it's so hard to. There's no formula for it. So when it happens, I definitely understand why people don't want to let go of, of the kind of like the the kind of the idea. Like you, you see it when when someone like well, like when Steve Carell leaves the office, for example. Yeah. They keep it going because the the office is making loads of money and and it's kind of magic in the bottle, uh, lightning in the bottle with all these characters. So just because one, just because the main characters left, they kind of keep it going. When you know, really, you 
you shouldn't even be thinking of that, but they do it. So, so I do. Well, I think the same thing happened with Scrubs. I remember seeing an interview yeah. with Bill Lawrence when they were talking about the ninth series of Scrubs, and yeah. they sort of like Zach Braff sort of was leaving, and uh, they kind of brought it back with like kind of med school setting, yeah. and yeah. they were like, "Well, why did you bring it back?" And he's like, "Well, you know, if I make Scrubs, it means." that all these people have jobs for another yeah. year yeah. you know and it's like you don't really think about it like that and you think yeah. well that's why they did that even though the ninth season didn't work at all um but it, a lot of the times if they can spin out it gives an entire not just the cast it gives an entire crew of people another year or two years work i suppose yeah. when you think about it like that yeah. um but what i wanted to talk about was probably one of the best seasons of television is Prison Break season one. Yes. Yeah. Is just the most exhilarating, just outstanding mm-hmm. like kind of idea of like this guy breaking into a jail with the schematics on his body and all that and break his brother out because he's been falsely imprisoned and, and it was just absolutely sensational. Mm-hmm. And then I think they ended up getting five seasons out of it. Yeah. And it was just excruciating it was became all about like government conspiracies yeah, and yeah. people work it and you're just like what on earth and then if it, like the second season of the run you can kind of just about get away with that and then season three they all end up in jail again yeah. in mexico i was like nah i can't nah. I just i couldn't take it anymore and then kelly started watching it when she was on paternity leave mm-hmm. and i was like don't i said watch the first series and then just leave it She's like, oh no, no, I'll keep going with it. I was like, I'm warning you. Like, what's yeah. your first thing to leave it? And then I think she lasted to about halfway through series three or four, and she's like, right, this is diabolical. I was like, I told you. But yeah. I think that if there's any series, probably more than any other, that deserved yeah. to end after season one, it was Prison Break. Because by its very name, it's about breaking out of prison. <laughs> and once you're out of prison, <laughs> just call it something else, you know. Yeah. And yeah. then the the girl who went on to play uh, Rick's wife and uh, Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like the doctor character who worked in the prison and she got her head cut off yeah. and then it was a fake head and she got like oh, for fuck's sake what is excuse me what is going on here man? Yeah. Um, but yeah so I would say probably more than any other prison break is one that I would say definitely could have uh, stuck to one season yeah that was one um, I've, just got, I've got one more that I wanted to mention and uh, it, for me it again it seems like it's one of the best it's one of the best kind of seasons of TV I ever watched. And then sort of six episodes in, I had no interest in watching it anymore. And it was kind yeah. of the format meant the format of this show meant that they did kind of, it kind of made sense for them to change and do what they did. Um, but I just, and then I remember catching up with it again, a couple of seasons later and they had, again, they kind of realigned everything to kind of going back to basics and the good guys were still good guys. were good guys again, the bad guys were bad guys. Um, but it is, it's, it's the TV show Heroes. Oh, hundred percent agree with you on this. That for me, because uh, that for me was I, I had. I don't know if you had it as well. I had a T-shirt that said "Save the Cheerleader." Save the Cheerleader. Save the world. Um, Absolutely. And do you know? I, I said that to someone, and they had no recollection that they didn't. Oh, man. And 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 if that had just been one one season, that would be it. Would be be phenomenal. It'd be a, a, an absolute phenomenon. And I, and again, I understand why this had to carry on. But once, like, you had enough twists and turns in the, and the whole idea of like these people being comic book characters, it kind of made made sense that one of them would get sent to feudal Japan, and yeah. you know, one of them would lose all his powers, and one of them would become more powerful than ever. But just the like the Petrelli brothers in the first season was like it was yeah. just a phenomenal kind of like, um, and the horn rimmed horn rimmed man, sorry, horn rimmed yeah, glasses. Horn-rimmed glasses. Um, Do you know the, the the interesting thing about him is um, he. Probably, you know, they say that that's the peak of his career, but I reckon the peak of his career was London Film and Comic Con 2006 when he got to meet me. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, he says the same thing as well. He yeah, I think. Show you. Yeah. Um, he says, you know that, that Snoot Yush's podcast? I, I've met that Aye. guy. And he, like, does, he, does. He, said, he said, James said, no, no, the less talented one. Um, well, no, what he, what he said was, he says, oh, Dave, man, help us out, right? Like, they want me to do The Office, but I'm not so sure because Steve Carell's not there anymore. And I was like, mate, do it. <laughs> um, and, uh, and he did, and look where it got him. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I jest, yeah. of course. But, uh, no, I totally, I totally agree with you on Heroes. I think um, I, being a comic book fan, <laughs> loved Heroes, the mm-hmm. first series, because it was, it was just so 
well written, I think, yeah. as well. And the, the characters were believable when they were dealing with these powers. And yeah. um, the only thing I, they, it just felt like they built this great story over 21 hours <laughs> and then just rushed the end. Yes. You yeah. know, the final confrontation was like, is that it? Is that what we've been building up to for all these hours? And you just wanted Peter to do much more for longer. And um, and then the, the whole uh, the, the second season was just a mess. Again, that was down to the writer strike, I think, because it was yeah, it was yeah. shortened. And, yeah. and then they kept bringing characters in and then killing them off. And it just, oh, it was just a mess. Um, but I think if you watched that first series in isolation, and yeah. that was it, again, it would be something that would be looking back at without picking holes in it like we do now and even I didn't even bother with the reboot when that came on a yeah, few years yeah. ago but didn't, like, obviously you'll know having read so much more many more comic books than me and, and been so much more immersed in the culture it felt like it was it felt like it dealt with it. that first season told a whole bunch of stories like it had like almost like a Superman story in there like a yeah. guy who's overpowered but oh sorry a, a guy who's like trying to live with his sort of like the responsibility of his powers and it had a uh, like in in hero, I always thought of him as he was kind of like a almost like a Superman kind of uh, sorry a, a Spider Man kind of character, kind of yeah. someone who go and just have fun with his. Because he's of, so excited to have the power, and then yeah. like even like it got to the point where everyone had powers, and you yeah. had like you had yeah. the best part was Hero and Ando were this just really good double act because Hero was the powered one, and Ando was trying to help him with it, and then Ando decided oh he's got powers as well, and I was like, oh, for goodness sake man, yeah. and um. And it just started getting a bit tiresome as the more it went on. And um, but they were also different. So you had the Ali Lara character with you know the son, and she's dealing yeah. with the fact that she's got powers, and then he's starting to show them. And then oh, it was just. And then Greg Gruberg and his yeah. sort of art was brilliant. And then and then you started losing characters halfway through, like when Skyler, Siler, Siler, wasn't it Siler? Yes, yeah. Um, and yeah. he was just such a creepy, horrible yeah. bad guy. And then at one stage. He's a good guy who's yeah, like, yeah. working. With, I'm like, what's, what's happening? Well, yeah, was... Later on, it was like, I was like, wait, he's right. The Petrelli brothers were together, and then I think actually one yeah. episode, the he was didn't he end up being related to Peter or something? And... In in the end, yeah, I, I'm sure an episode that I watched that Nathan sort of turned on Peter again. I was like, wait, hang on, I've not even reinvested enough to know why they're. Yeah, it was. A, it just ended up in a mess, didn't it? Yeah, it was just. It was just too much. Uh, yeah, I think I definitely think Heroes is a show that, that if it had been what, and that's the thing, it's not not that there weren't enjoyable parts. From, and I'm sure if there are Heroes fans, they'll be saying actually the third season was better, and this episode is a, a landmark or whatever. And, and it absolutely might be. But if it had only been one season, I feel like it could have almost been flawless. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Um, the only well, I, one last one I'd like to throw in and. Not that the second series was particularly bad, or the third series was particularly bad, um, but the first series was so good, and that's Fargo. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think it, cause the first, it tied very nicely into the movie, and as much as it was the, the money that um, was buried was found, yeah. and it, it was it sort of, but just Martin Freeman was the kind of <laughs> horrible character, and it, it just, everything worked and you had uh, just really nice characters that's horrible yeah. things happen to them and the Coen Brothers-esque um, and it, it just the first series was just tense and brilliant and then the second series just went back in time and told a different story with a yeah I just I didn't really buy into it I mean, it, it wasn't that it was particularly bad it's just when Patrick Wilson was fine as the hero and everything but I just felt like the first series told the story and there wasn't really much else to tell you know, it just yeah, yeah. So that would be one kind of last one that I would throw in would be Fargo. I would I would put in that kind of category. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, is is that is, that, is there another season of that coming? I or don't is... think so. I think to the Ewan McGregor series when Ewan McGregor played the twins. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's making any more. I don't think he is. No, I mean I, I didn't even watch the third series because I kind of was a bit fed up by the. Uh, by the second, I, I was, and I think I think that's that's one thing that if, we, if we're going to end it sort of there, I think one thing you can tell is if you if you ever ha are watching a show where you sort of give up midway through a series, or yeah. if you're thinking of giving up midway through a series, it tells you that there's something something's going on. Because because if you, if you get to the end of a, se a season and I'm like, oh, do you know what? I'm I don't like the way that ended. I'm not going to bother watching the, the new season. Or or if you if you if that sort of thing, you think, you know, I'll give it the first episodes and then you're not bothered. That That is because, you know, something's slightly wrong with the story, maybe. And yeah. that, that, that happens for a reason. There's a reason why, 
sort of episode uh, seasons kind of get get less and less popular because people just basically check out as they're going along. But if you're ever in the middle of a season, yeah, then they haven't written a story that is going to last long enough to keep you interested. And I think I think that's that's what I think all of these shows like Heroes, The Following, um, Twenty Four. Well, Twenty Four I stuck with just because it was. It was like, what are they going to do next? That's the reason yeah. why I'm tuning in. And like, how is he going to get out of this? How he's a cocaine, he's an opium addict. How is he going to? Yeah, get out of this? about that. Yeah, Chinese government. How on earth is he going to, you know, come back to America and be able to, you know, be able to rescue the president again? But every other, every, like all the shows that we've mentioned, there was there was a point where you were considering, I'm not really that interested in this in the middle of a series. And that's what tells you that it's, there's something. Yeah, it's gone too far. Not, not just that the story isn't interesting, but the story isn't properly paced almost. Yeah. So that's where you can tell where shows should have only been one season. Uh, and I think that's the ones that we've kind of mentioned. I think they all have that, they all have that kind of, everyone who watched them had that kind of moment, I think. And that's where, that's where I think you can tell where the, uh, where they were meant to, where they were meant to finish anyway. Yeah. So just, uh, just for completism, the upcoming fourth season of oh. um, uh, Fargo was due to uh, premiere in April this year, but has mm-hmm. been delayed indefinitely after production was suspended due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So season four is coming with Chris Rock, Jim Schwartzman and Ben Wishaw and Timothy Oliphant, apparently. So for all you Fargo fans out there um, who are loving the fact that it got past its first season, a fourth season will be with us at some point in the future. So, mm-hmm. Okay, James, so I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, the overarching message um, from tonight is that some shows don't know when to finish, but that is not the case with the Snooty Ushers. So I will say good night and thank you, James. Thank you, Dave. And we will see you all next week for more Snooty Ushers. Good night. Um, so, um, sorry, one second. My, my microphone's literally just fallen over. <laughs> there we go. <laughs>